We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. We're here to talk about a Chicago Bulls win, a blowout win that's still going on over the Charlotte Hornets. Knock on wood, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, there's six (laughs) minutes left as we start this recording. The Bulls are up 101-76. So we figured it would be safe to uh, talk about the game. And I just want to say up front, man... uh, I've been totally distracted by this Terrence Clark news. So tragic. 19-year-old basketball player for Kentucky, former five-star recruit. I wrote about him a lot at SB Nation when he was on the recruiting trail. Always viewed as one of the top kids in his class. He died in a car accident today in L.A. Uh, Just signed with Clutch Sports, LeBron's agency, yesterday. Uh, So that's the type of news that just like totally shakes you, uh, especially as someone who's followed his career for a couple of years. Just so unbelievably sad. And it was hard for me to focus on this game, quite frankly, after uh, after reading that news. But well, you didn't really have to focus on much because it's been a beatdown from the start. Yeah. And, you know, so the Bulls are on a back to back tonight. Last night, I think one of the worst games of the entire year. They yep. lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers, 121-105. A totally flat effort by the Bulls. They get run 34-12 to in the first quarter. Uh, the Cavs guards, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, were just absolutely cutting the Bulls up. The Bulls were bringing no sort of defensive intensity in terms of being able to protect the paint. The perimeter defense was awful as well. So that really felt like one of those losses for the Bulls where it's like, man, like maybe this season is over if they can't even beat the Cavs, the team they beat just a couple days prior. Uh, if they're going to get embarrassed like that, like where is this team's sense of urgency? They had fallen behind the Wizards and the Raptors after that loss in terms of the play-in standing. So they were down to you know 12th in the conference when they need to get up to 10th. They were only a game behind the Wizards and I think a half game behind the Raptors. Uh, that was coming in tonight. So it's like this game against the Hornets was actually a pretty big game for the Bulls uh, just to try to keep pace in the play-in race, man. Like in every other year, the Bulls' hopes of being like making the playoffs would be extinguished. But because of the play-in tournament, 
you know, they still have the chance. And uh, the Bulls came out and they played well tonight. It was really the Charlotte Hornets late in egg, the way the Bulls did last night against the Cavs. Uh, the Bulls start out this game on a 10-0 run. Uh, Vucevic looked really good. They were hitting their threes early. Uh, Kobe White got hot on a couple spot-up opportunities. Garrett Temple knocked a couple down. Uh, and the Bulls just totally dominated this game in every facet. Uh, they ran out to the big lead in the first quarter, and then they took it to the next level in the third quarter and sort of wiped away any chance of a Hornets comeback. Uh, so the Bulls are going to win this game. It's just in the final minutes right now. I think that this is a feel-good win for the Bulls, especially coming off that horrible loss for them last night. But, uh, Jason, you know, initial impressions of the game tonight and sort of how you felt about it after watching that abomination of a performance last night. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to say, like, total must-win game. We're not quite at that point yet, like, not literal, but, like, it was basically a must-win game. As you mentioned, like, they had fallen behind the Wizards. The Wizards are on fire. The Wizards have an easy, pretty easy schedule remaining. And the Bulls coming up, they got the Heat in Miami two games in a row. Then they got, like, the Knicks, the Hawks, and the Bucks next week. We'll see if Trey Young is back with that Hawks game. That obviously make a big difference. But they got all these games against good teams coming up. So, like, this is – I mean, these two games in general, like, losing last night the way they did was just – was just so deflating to come out and just not even compete from the start was absolutely brutal. Uh, like I said, 34 to 12 worst quarter of the season. They made a few pushes, but I mean, they just, they just had no chance. Uh, Derek, you mentioned Gar- Garland and Sexton were great. Uh, just completely roasted the bulls defense. We saw just the bulls defensive issues just crop up again. And they did hit some tough shots, but uh, I mean, they just had their way all night. So come out tonight, yeah, yeah, they needed they needed to have the sense of urgency tonight. It did help, or it does did help. Whatever I said, this game is not over yet, but it basically is that uh, the Hornets are. I mean, again, another team missing two of their top players. I get, I know the Bulls are missing Zach, obviously, and Troy Brown Jr. is still out. But the Hornets don't have Lamelo Ball. The Hornets don't have Gordon Hayward. The Hornets don't have Malik Monk. That's three of their better scorers. So they're basically relying on Terry Rozier and uh, Devontae Graham to basically just get hot, and that like kind of runs their whole offense. They had their brief moments, but besides that, I mean, they just can't do much scoring. I guess Miles Bridges did have a pretty dope dunk, so that was pretty cool. Um, so to come out and play a strong game, not not mess around. The Bulls, you mentioned, they did not mess around. You win, you go ten nothing right away. The Hornets did make one little push there. The second quarter, there was a bit of ickiness, but like the Bulls finished the first half strong. I think they were up fourteen at the half. Then third quarter, you just blow them out of the water. So that it, it was good to see them just not play with their food a bit against a team that just again they were basically the Hornets were basically dead in the water from the start. So the fact that the Bulls just didn't didn't let them hang around really at all outside of maybe that second quarter stretch. Uh, just good to see because I mean the Bulls we we've seen them blow games uh, in just awful fashion. And when we even started this pot early, I was like. Even I don't think the Bulls can blow this one even in a 20-point lead or whatever because, I said, the Hornets just had no juice from the very start. And it was kind of like you said. It was basically what the Bulls did last night. It was basically just like mirror mirror games here, performances where the Bulls came out flat and did nothing. Oh, we got a Patrick Williams poster. The Bulls are just postering the Hornets right now all over the place. Patrick Williams poster, Tomas Zadaransky poster. I know Lowry tried one earlier and failed, which is typical for him. But, yeah, just like two completely separate performances from the Bulls, which I guess is just kind of like – that is kind of just what they are. I mean, they're a mediocre to bad team, and they play other mediocre to bad teams. And uh, if one of them is playing well, the other one is kind of bad, and this is what happens. You get just two blowouts. So uh, it just kind of is what it is at this point. You really hope that they can maybe find some modicum of consistency. It's obviously tough when you're missing your best scorer. 
But uh, just in general, though, in a game where they, they definitely needed to have it, because if they would have lost this one, I mean, you, you maybe could have just chalked it up to season over. Uh, they come out and just take care of business. So that's always good when you when you do take care of business and not mess around. Yeah, dude, I feel like there's 13 games left. Pretty much all of them are going to be must win at this point until the end of the season. The Bulls did not make that Vucevic trade to miss the playing tournament. Like, I think that would be pretty embarrassing, especially when your two competitors are a Raptors team that has just been an abomination all year and the Wizards, led by Westbrook and Beal, two good guards. But, uh, you know, that team has been below the Bulls in the standings even before the trade deadline. So uh, after the Vucevic trade, you want to see the Bulls get into the playing tournament, I think. Uh, they would still get – they would still be in the lottery, too, if they didn't make the playoffs – so there is still a chance that, you know, that top four draft protection hits. But uh, to me, you know, the Bulls made that trade so that they could be seen as sort of a rising franchise league-wide. And I think missing the playing tournament is not a way to do that. So I want to talk about Vucevic because Vucevic was yep. terrible last night. He was. <laughs> he broke a record that was like over 100 games of scoring double figures. Uh, he only had nine points. But tonight he's been really good. Uh, as of right now, with the game still going on, two minutes left, 18 points, 16 rebounds, 6 assists on 8 of 13 shooting. Uh, he, You know, we've seen him shoot really well. I don't have his exact stats in front of me, but I think he came into last night shooting like 54% from three since he was on the Bulls. I think it was like 47, 46, uh, 47. Obviously, his, the majority of his possessions are coming in the post. And the Bulls basically didn't play through the post at all before they made the trade. It's not like Wendell was demanding a bunch of post touches uh, when he was the starting center for the team and Gafford was never in the post. They would put Thad in the post, of course, but uh, you know the offense was not run through the low post by any means. So I think that that is sort of an underrated facet of why the team has at times struggled to sort of adjust post-trade deadline. I mean, there, there's plenty of different reasons, but I think that when you're going from a team that barely posted up to like now you need to get Vucevic you know 20 shots a game you need to give him a steady diet on the low block I think that's really hard to integrate on the fly and it becomes even more difficult on a Bulls team that doesn't really have anyone that could throw an entry yeah so while Vucevic I do think has performed really well obviously he scored uh, at a terrific level since coming over to the Bulls I think that in general like that's one thing about the trade that has been underplayed a little bit is how difficult it is to totally readjust your offense around a different play type than you had been running for the majority of the year. So I don't want every game to be, you know, let's relitigate the Vucevic right. trade. But if they win, it was a good trade. If they lose, it was a bad trade. Uh, my thoughts on the trade still haven't changed a ton since they made it. Uh, but, you know, you want to see him have games like he had tonight, where he just yeah. dominates the glass. He made some really nice passes. He made a beautiful touch pass to Thad Young on a high-low early in the first quarter. Uh, I love to see him hit the three ball, because I think that the three ball is going to have to be a huge part of his game as he ages for him to continue to be, like, a productive player. So uh, I thought pretty good night for Vooch tonight, and that was good to see. And then... The other thing is, I just want more Thad Young, dude. Why is Thad Young only playing 20 minutes a game these days? Uh, they're starting Tyson Vooch together. I think Thad Young was the biggest reason why the team was exceeding expectations for the first half of the season. Obviously, Levine was on fire, too. But 
the level of play Thad Young was providing on a nightly basis was so much higher than really anyone provided last season or than Thad himself provided last season. Uh, And it seems like he's a forgotten man since the trade deadline. So I'm sort of wondering now, Jason, do the Bulls intend to keep Thad Young on the team next year? He has an unguaranteed contract. Uh, They could buy him out for, I think, $4 million. Obviously, Markinen and Tice are both free agents. I think the writing's on the wall for Markinen that he's going to be gone. In terms of Tice, there's a lot of people around the fan base that would like to keep him around, but I don't think he's exactly a natural fit at the four next to Vucevic. You probably want him playing a backup five. Uh, I'm very curious why Thad has sort of been left out of the rotation. And to me, that's another big reason why the team has struggled since the trade deadline. Thad has just gotten a smaller role. Yeah, I definitely definitely have noticed that. And I know obviously he was starting like that where Billy started Lowry first right after the trade, one game, pulled the plug on that, then went to Thad. And I feel like Thad has kind of been marginalized or was marginalized with Vucevic just because uh the post up stuff and like Thad doesn't really stretch the floor that much. So like maybe they just doesn't like that fit that much. Like I don't know if he's trying to like save them because he Thad was playing so much uh early in the year and it was so crucial to them. Like now that but obviously you don't want to like save the guy. Like you're trying to make the, if you're trying to make the play in, like you want to play your best guys more minutes. Uh, so like, I don't like, I don't understand like the idea of like, Oh, trying to like conserve him. Like you're in the stretch run right now. So like you need, you need him to play. I just don't, I, I, I just wonder if it's just the fit is awkward. You mentioned like the Tice Vucevic pairing before tonight, which the Bulls starters destroyed tonight. Uh, Vucevic's net rating was really bad. The Vucevic Tice pairing has been getting absolutely roasted. I mean, theoretically they are like, a decent pairing together. They're both, they can both stretch the floor. Like Vooch is a good three-point shooter. Tice is average, but he can, he's at least willing. Uh, they're both pretty good passers. Uh, Tice kind of can help the rim protection stuff that Vucevic cannot do that much. So like, I, I do understand it, but they had before tonight, they like, their like on court net rating was really, really bad together. Uh, but n- I guess none of the pairings, I, I, I think it does just kind of come back to what you were saying about just like how it is taking some time for, them to just like build that chemistry and figure out how to play a bit differently while they don't have practices. They got all these games together. Uh, now they don't have Zach either. Uh, I was looking at the Zach Vucevic, like the, when those two have been on the court together, their offensive rating is garbage, like worse, like at levels worse than last year. So I think a lot of it is just the chemistry, the the lack of practice time. They just are, they're trying to just feel each, feel each other out and they just really haven't meshed yet. I mean, obviously they've played a decent amount of tough teams as well. So I think a lot of it goes into it. So that really will be interesting to see what the Bulls do with with those guys. Because like if they if they want to open up cap space as well, like Daniel Tice might be a cap casualty. Thaddeus Young, you mentioned like par- he's partially guaranteed. Like, will they have to clear space? Use him to clear space. Like if they want to go, if they need to go sign somebody like Lonzo, if they can't pull off like a sign and trade with Lowry or something like that. So that will that the front court thing will be interesting because like a lot of their better theoretically like better players are in the front court, and, and then you have Lowry in there as well. So it's like trying to mix and match those guys has been interesting. And yeah, I, the Thad thing has been super weird. Thad was really good tonight. Uh, the, the Hornets just with like no rim protection down there. You meant Vucevic killed it. Thad killed it. Uh, Thad had what? He had like 17 or 18 off the bench, 18 points, tw- 20 minutes, eight of 10 shooting tonight was a Thad night, more like the first half of the season. So yeah, that is definitely something that we'll, that we'll watch. Cause even like Tice was okay tonight. He, he, and he played 25 minutes, even in a blowout game as the starter. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if it, Billy just seems to trust Daniel Tice more. He likes the Vucevic Tice pairing more, even though so far the lineup data hasn't been too great. I guess that it'll probably look much better after tonight, but definitely something to monitor moving forward. 
Yeah, I'm going to say that Thad Young has had one of the best seasons of any Bulls player in the post-Jordan era. Like, he's really been phenomenal this season, especially for his minutes load. Uh, in some of these all-in-one stats, there's a luck-adjusted RAPM stat I was looking at today. He's eighth in the entire league, and it's because he contributes to such a high level on both ends of the floor, right? Like, the passing jump Thad made this year uh, was just remarkable for someone in year 14 of his career. So it's wild to me that he seems a little bit lost in the rotation post-trade yeah. deadline. Uh, and I do think it really comes down to stretching the floor and the Bulls wanting to have more shooting around Vucevic's post-ups. Now, uh, obviously, Vuce, it, it seems like it would work because Vooch can stretch the floor next to Thad. But ideally, the Bulls want to feed Vooch in the post. And yeah. I have the numbers up now. Only 4.6% of the Bulls' offensive possessions the entire year have come in the post. So that counts, you know, the pre-Vooch portion of the season and since they've had him. So, dude, they just never ran post-ups the entire year. And now they're running a post-up on like half the possessions down the floor, especially without Levine. Basically, if you watch this game against the Hornets tonight, the Bulls kept doing the same thing, which is... Uh, Vucevic starts at the middle of the floor and they give him a little like rub screen to get him on the right side of the court. And he posts up, you know, he tries to get the switch and he posts up and he hit a few hook shots off that early in this game. He had a really good game tonight. I do just think it's hard to, to embed post-ups in an offense at such a high rate when they never had that before the season. So, uh, if anyone wants to come on, I see we got, we got Sierra John in the mix. We got Mark in the mix. Mark, I'm still laughing at that <laughs> song that Fred made uh, comparing you to Kali. I've sort of been singing that song in my head the whole day. I know it's horrible. I shouldn't admit that publicly. This, in, this entire game today with the Bulls blowing out the Hornets, my Twitter is basically like Kali and Mark going at it about Zach Levine. And then uh, we got Fred trying to chime in there as well. Uh, just kind of kind of hilarity ensuing during this just total beatdown of a game that was not that exciting to watch, even though the Bulls obviously played well, just not a not a thrilling game. So that was that was amusing. Mark, do you want to come up here and talk about you owning Joe Cowley all the time or what? No, and uh, maybe not. I, <laughs> I will just say that uh, yeah, if anyone wants to come on, just request to speak, and we'll let you jump on. But. Uh, what did you think of Kobe tonight? I thought Kobe I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was going to bring that up. Go ahead. Better tonight than he did last night. And the main reason is that Kobe stopped trying to break down the defense by himself and, like, take on the world, which is what I feel like Kobe too often does. Tonight he was in more of a catch-and-shoot role, and he looked a lot better in an off-ball role. Where I really like Kobe is off of, when someone else – off an offensive rebound. Yes, He's Pretty yep. good relocation shooter off an offensive rebound. Uh, because, you know, if you like look at the way Kobe shoots a three and the way Patrick Williams shoots a three, Kobe's release is just so quick. Like, especially on the catch, it's much quicker than Pat, certainly, who has like more of like a rainbow jumper on the catch and shoot. Uh, Kobe can really get up volume. Tonight he goes four or six from three. Uh, I think, you know, in general, Kobe has had. A really disappointing season for his second season but a lot of that was because the Bulls did try to make him point guard so I was happy with Kobe's performance tonight I think it was in more of an off-ball role and you know if I'm coaching Kobe White I just don't want him making a decision that's more complicated than catch ball shoot ball because yeah. I think that that's when he gets himself in trouble when he's trying to read the floor uh you know the 
the responsibilities of an NBA point guard are pretty serious. And to just give that to him when he didn't really have those responsibilities in high school and college, uh, it was just too much too soon, I think. So, uh, you know, while Kobe's had a disappointing year, I think that maybe tonight he sort of found a role that could be more successful for him uh, for the rest of this season and hopefully long term, too. I still think he's going to have a pretty good long term career. But uh, we got John in the mix. What up, John Wilms? Thank you for hopping on cash considerations. Uh, how are you feeling about your Chicago Bulls right now? I'm feeling OK. I think that uh, we probably can't emphasize enough uh, how much the roster just turned over and how little time they've had to figure it out and how crazy this season is also. Like I, yeah. I wrote a sentence to this effect in one of my real GM columns, like continuity is more important than ever. Um, and there's one big exception to this that I'll mention, but uh, throughout the league, you know, teams who have continuity are doing really well and teams who don't are struggling. Um, and the Bulls at the at the deadline turn the roster over is more than anyone who isn't tanking, right? Um, and uh, the one exception this year is the Brooklyn Nets, but they're just like throwing Hall of Famers together on the fly. So, of course, they're they're winning um, without continuity because you know they're just like adding incredible ingredients every other week. But uh, you know, the, but we're we have a much better roster than we did um, this time one year ago, and. Uh, we were maximizing, I think, um, the roster before we made all those moves, right? Um, I just didn't think that there was, you know, you couldn't go very far with that, with that roster. Um, now you have Vucevic, you know, you can go a lot farther with that. You can't win the championship or anything, but um, you know, it's it's it, we haven't even seen anything close to maximizing what the roster is now, and we won't until next year. So. Um, I, I feel good for that reason. What I want to know from you guys, this is something I've been thinking about. Do you think that Kobe is too similar to Zach to really fit with him long-term? Um, yeah. I mean, that's something we have talked about a lot and that I would say probably yes. Like, I don't think like if you're, you're long-term backward, like I know you're probably thinking, Oh, they can be like CJ and Dame or something like that. Uh, I don't think, I mean, neither guys either. And, and Zach is not as good as Dame. And obviously Kobe has a long way to go to be as good as CJ. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, they're just, I think they're too bad defensively together. They're not. And then Kobe just like does not have the natural point guard stuff down. Like I, like I think they could be like, okay together maybe, but like this year it's been like really rough in general when those two have played together, just like the, again, the defense, just at the, at the point of the te- point of attack, it's just terrible. Uh, I don't know if it, it could really ever get that much better. Like I said, Kobe obviously has room to grow. Zach has gotten a little better defensively, and then even offensively, like they can be obviously super fun uh, when they get hot. Oh, we've had we've seen a few games. I bring up that Pelicans game uh, when they made NBA history. They both hit eight threes or whatever. No one had ever done that before. But like that that happens occasionally, but just too often. Like they are just like streak. They can be streaky, just gunner types. With there's not the highest basketball IQ, not the best decision making running an offense. So when you're facing actual like good competition uh, and like ball pressure. And I think today, like Kobe's game today, like Ricky was talking about how just like, he wasn't like playing like a lot of like point guard leaguer. And I just think like there wasn't much ball pressure. The Hornets defense just really didn't really have like, I mean, Devonte Graham Terry was your smaller guys. They're not like, just like dogged defenders. I feel like just Kobe was just kind of very comfortable today, just playing like a normal game, making the basic reads, 
And that was super easy. But again, when you go against like just much better teams, you kind of see where Zach and Kobe just can kind of fall apart against strong defenders sometimes. And then, so yeah, so like they, they just share a lot of the same strengths and weaknesses. And I feel like that just is probably not a great sign for their long term like health together as like a duo. And then when you like toss in Vooch, another guy who's not the best defender, like, you, and then you have Patrick Williams who is still super young. I guess you like need like a, it's just like three. I guess like you can't hide that many like minus defenders on the team. I don't want to call Patrick Williams Williams a minus, but like it's just hard he's, to build. He's, like a, a, really, he's a rookie. Yeah, he's a rookie. He's, he's not actually good yet. Like he's has flashes, but he's not. He's still not like, a good impactful player. He's pretty bad actually. But like yeah, so like you just can't have that many like minus defenders in in your main lineup. So like if you're yeah. going with Zach and Vooch, like Kobe is a very is a minus defender. So like make that that's three minus guys. Patrick Williams right now is okay to bad and then obviously you're just like garrett temple is fine right now but like if you add somebody else like a defensive wing like that's fine but like is that like high level enough probably not so like just like and that's an issue with like lowry too that's like well like lowry doesn't work like kobe and lowry together definitely that's i mean that's why they've gone to the bench or why they were on the bench when before zach got hurt uh they just like didn't really mesh with the starting lineup because you just have too many minus defenders out there so yeah i guess saying a lot of words to say that i am very skeptical of Zach and Kobe being the long-term backcourt partnership. I do think Kobe can have a decent career uh, if he just plays within himself, does the spot-up thing, doesn't make stupid mistakes. Like um, last night against the Cavs, I mean, he was awful. ton of horrible mistakes, got roasted by Garland and Sexton. But tonight was just got a simple game, No, really not much pressure at all, and he played a decent game. So, so yeah. Uh, I answered this, and Jason's a numbers guy. I'm the hot take guy, obviously. But I would like to see both of them. Like, if they were going to work together, you'd almost need, like, a big wing initiator. Yeah. Next like, a guy who could Kane. play point guard role on <laughs> offense and then, like, defend well in a help position uh, defensively next to the two of them. So I don't want to say like there's definitely no scenario in the world where they can't work because just when you have two guys who are that good catching two threats, I think, you know, hypothetically it could work. But like if you were to put them next to Jimmy Butler or, you know, (laughs) LeBron. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, if you put him next to the greatest player of all time. uh, No, like I do think if you had a big wing initiator – that that would be the way to maybe unlock them. So, uh, but yeah, otherwise I agree with a lot of what Jason said. I see we got, we got Kev in the comments. Kev, you want to come up here and uh, get some takes off? If anyone else does, uh, let me know. We got a comment from Mark. He says, talk about the shitty defense and how the narrative is growing about Vucevic being a bad defender, just as the C-Red oh. Meeple starting to suggest my big son <laughs> Wendell. Uh, we got Kevin here. What's going on, Kevin? Uh, how are you feeling about the Bulls right now? And, you know, we can get at Mark's uh, question about Vucevic's defense if we want to as well. Um, I'm feeling okay about them. I mean, I still am pretty – it was a pretty embarrassing loss that they had against the Cavs. Uh, this tonight wipes the taste out of, of that out of our, uh, our mouths a little bit, I would say. But, you know, that they needed both of these games, and – uh, it was pretty bad to eat shit the way that they did um, the other night, but uh, you know it's it's hard to be too too mad after they just had a, a really uh, fun win, and Kobe had his like once every ten games uh, good game. So you know we'll uh, try try to stay positive, but um, 
yeah, I mean, the fact that they've allowed themselves to get into a dogfight for the 10 seed is uh, not really great, but they won. So let's, uh, I guess, try to be try to be a little bit positive about it. Also, free <laughs> Devin Dotson. Um, <laughs> I was, I was yes. waiting for that. Uh, Since we're uh, always talking about what point guard the Bulls should add next year, let me go on record and say I don't want Devontae Graham. Like, I got respect for Devontae Graham. I watched his career from a young point at Kansas uh, and got a lot of respect for him, but I don't think that that's what the Bulls need, another smaller guard who can't get to the rim. I think they need a guard who actually can get to the rim, and maybe where that, that's where the Devin Dotson love comes in. But uh, at this point, Dotson's not going to get a chance in the last 13 games of the season when the team is uh, playing to try to win games to get into the play-in tournament. So uh, the Dotson campaign, I mean, I wanted to see Dotson all year, uh, it's not going to happen with 13 games left. I mean, there's no way Billy's going to put him in. Like, even in these blowouts, the last two nights, he's getting one minute. So that's done. Yeah. And I, was, I think uh, I was very mad about that tonight because uh, they they were, win- like, dominating the entire fourth quarter. He could have been in, like, with pretty much that whole last quarter, I think. Uh, and I just – I don't understand, like, why he's – a one minute a game, if any, uh, guy, uh, especially when they need rim pressure and point of attack defense and literally none of like the, uh, Denzel Valentine, Ryan Archie, Daniel Yacono, Kobe White's of the world are really doing anything, uh, in, in either of those categories. I guess Arch is okay at point of attack defense. Mark's going to get mad at me about he that. He tries at least. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, none of those guys is applying rim pressure really at all, and that's like that's Devin Dotson's whole thing. So I, I don't know, I don't get it. Lately, I've been thinking like he's going to go somewhere else and be great. Like I, I just well, know it. Sure. He should have gone back to school. Like typically, like you want to come out as soon as you can. And he was a sophomore. He was arguably the best player in college basketball for the best team in college basketball, Kansas last year. He was an All American as a sophomore. He was the first underclassman All-American not to get drafted. And I wonder if he would have came back to school this year. Uh, is he probably a first-round pick? I mean, it's not like he was going to get any taller, but I think he absolutely would have dominated college basketball. Then you look at a guy on the flip side, Io Jasumu, who did go back. Uh, Illinois gets a one seed. They flame out early in the tournament. But, you know, Io's getting first-round NBA hype now. So I just sort of feel bad for Dotson because I think he did the right thing by turning pro. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a deep vendetta against Billy Donovan (laughs) because Billy Donovan has not given him a chance the entire year. Well, his family members sure do. (laughs) And unfortunately... You know, his decision to turn pro hasn't worked out for him because he hasn't even gotten the opportunity to prove himself. And then you have, you know, the pandemic sort of affecting the G League schedule. It's tough, dude. Like, he is such a good young player, uh, at least against his age group, if nothing else. And he hasn't played basketball an entire year. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he, he looked pretty good in the G League from what I, from, you know, I, I can't, you know, pretend to have watched a ton of G League, but. The people that I know and trust who did watch those G League games um, said that he did well. So I, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I it, it baffles me given how bad the Bulls guard play has been at times this season that he couldn't even get a look. But anyways, that's a, a rabbit hole that is, I don't know, <laughs> my personal passion project for the, for the time being. I mean, it is hilarious that like, what is it, his mom and I believe his brother have been like really just 
going off on Twitter about it. Campaigning for him. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame them. He was a very good college player and he's basically, he's like kind of getting screwed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, yeah, obviously this is like, uh, really like whatever stuff, like we're, when we're like calling for like whatever the last man on the bench to get more minutes, it's basically like a whatever in the bigger picture, but still it's like, did the Archman, like, like you said, the fourth, it annoyed me tonight in the fourth quarter. Like, they were up to what, 25, like all fourth quarter. Like, just throw Dotson out there instead of Arch. Just like, see what he can do. It can't hurt. Like, you're not going to blow the game because Dotson's like, gets a few extra minutes over Ryan Archiakono, who does very, very little besides try really hard. Or like, I mean, Denzel was one of seven, like, was 0 of 60. He was just missing open threes the entire game. So, like, is Dotson really going to be that much worse than that? Just like in a game where like you're obviously like in control, the Hornets had nothing going. Just like it would be nice to at least see him get a little more minutes. Again, this is like real, just whatever complaints. Bulls won by 20. They dominated this game. But like it would just be nice to see just maybe an upside thing. I mean, the Bulls are still just a mediocre to bad team and they need more talent. So just like I would like to at least see if he sucks, he sucks. Uh, just like whatever. Yeah, it frustrates me yeah. because – that we're in this situation where it's like you're kind of trying to win, but you're kind of trying to do development at the same time. And then we see nights, plenty of nights. I think tonight was one of them where Laurie Markkinen is playing more minutes than Thad Young. Um, so you're like maybe going a little too far in the development area then if you're still trying to win, but somehow also not playing Dotson. Um, it just seems like a, a, a severe miscalculation. Yeah. And even Mark, look at Mark, is even going against his guy. Uh, Arch, the, the minutes knowing him, yeah. I mean, there's no, just no reason to play. I know, I understand with Troy Brown out and with uh, La, uh, Zach out, like that. Arch, okay, if he plays in the first half, whatever, that's going to happen. Uh, no, no reason complaining. Billy, Billy likes him. The coaches like him. He tries hard. Once you get that fourth quarter, start the fourth quarter and just give him. I mean, like Felicio's getting out there before him. Why? I mean, and also, Fel, why is Felicio on this roster at all? Like, I still don't understand. Like, they just. Are they like too cheap to pay him to go away? Like they just buy him out. I know he's making eight million, but whatever. It's not like the Bulls are like paying a lot of money for this roster. Just pay him to go away and go sign somebody else for crying out loud. Like if you are trying to win, you're trying to get in this play and like why is Felicio? I I said yesterday in our group chat that I think Felicio might be like the biggest waste of a roster spot in the entire NBA. Like obviously I'm not combing through every single NBA roster here, but like he's probably one of the worst players in the league. Like, why is he here? I don't get it. If you're trying to win games, try to get somebody to help your teams. When you have guys, I mean, the Bulls have been kind of lucky injury-wise. Obviously, the Zach thing is unlucky, but, like, and Troy Brown's out now. But, like, lately, like, most of their guys have been healthy. Like, compared to so many of these other teams, if the Bulls did start, like, whatever, having bad injuries, like, if would they have to play Felicio instead of, like, maybe somebody else who, like, may, may, could help you? Like, that'd be a disaster. Right now, they've just been kind of lucky. that It hasn't been too bad on the injury front. So... I'm about good to wrap this up. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm getting any more comments. That's cool. We can go for it. But 13 games left for the Bulls. The next two are at Miami, I believe. So yep. uh, those are going to be tough games with Jimmy Butler back in the lineup for them. Heat have been absolutely underwhelming the entire season. But, you know, they're fighting for playoff position, too, in the Eastern Conference. So uh, it's just going to feel like all these last 13 games are must-win games. And, yeah, at this point, I'm starting to think, like, the development angle goes out the window. I'll be interested to see how much Pat is playing. Uh, and, really, I want to see more Thad, dude. I feel like it is going to be such a crime if Thad is, related, is relegated to 20 minutes a game for the rest of the season. He's had such an incredible year. I'm saying it, Jason. One of the best seasons in Chicago Bulls history in the post-Jordan era, Thaddeus Young this year, and he's not even playing anymore when they're trying to win. It's a goddamn shame. 
that is so, quite yeah. the take. That is quite the take. I know you mentioned like those impact stats and all that, and he's been really good. Like it might be hard for me to go that far just because like he isn't like a huge minute guy, but I mean he's been well, so I'm good. I, I've like been top fifteen, maybe. You know, I'm not saying like top five. I mean. We got a Joe Kim Noah fourth and MVP voting season. We can't forget about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he's been great. He's been awesome. Like he's he definitely. I mean, it was him, Zach, and like him and Zach were basically kept the team afloat in the first half of the season. And it was for those two guys. And now, yeah, now he's been just kind of diminished. Uh, he has he has admittedly he has not been as good lately. I do wonder if like playing those big minutes was kind of wearing him down. But like, uh, I mean, whatever, just play him. Like, play him at least like twenty five minutes a game. I don't know, like. We'll see. Whatever. Uh, yeah, you mentioned like the two upcoming games against Miami. I think you just got to hope for a split. Like you're certainly not expecting to win both games, but like at this point, you got Ellie split these games. Uh, like, I, like with the schedule the way it is, like who you, you don't know, you never know with especially with this season, like who actually will be available for these teams. But I mean, you look at the opponents and they look on paper, they're it's pretty tough. So like at what are, what is it? What are they now? Twenty four and thirty four, or is it twenty? Five and twenty-five and thirty-four. I think you mentioned thirteen games left. I mean, I think you. I guess you have to hope they go what, like around five hundred. Will five hundred get them in? Do we think like that would put them at like thirty-one, thirty-two wins? Do we think that gets the ten, Ricky? Like I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what he's like. I guess it, like the Raptors have most of their guys back now. I know Chris Boucher got hurt last time. I'm not sure how bad it is, but like if they go six and seven the rest of the way, will that do it? I see. I have no idea. Yeah, and it sort of seems unlikely to me they're going to go six. Or right, seven. exactly. Yeah, like that's what you like. Got to pray for a split. Uh, if you lose both, uh, you're probably in big trouble because then again, you got like the Knicks, Hawks, Bucks next week. I mean, that, that's pretty damn daunting. So, uh, I mean, uh, in general, to wrap up here, like it's nice that we do have these games to at least care about. So I think God bless the playing tournament this year. I guess like so that the Bulls are at least like have a decent chance. Uh, and we, or at least we we have something to talk about. I guess the Bulls are still only like a couple games behind the Pacers. Uh, I think they're three or four behind the Hornets now. I know the Hornets are getting Lamelo back, so I want if they'll start playing a bit better. But uh, it's just nice to at least have some games that actually do matter. So that's good. So yeah, a couple games in Jimmy will be fun this week, uh, Saturday, and then Monday, and then the next week will be uh, pretty fun as well. A national TV game against the Knicks here on, on one, next Wednesday. We'll be back here on Locker Room. Uh, after that game as well, and we'll do a pod before that. We got some fun guests coming up, so that'll wrap it up here for us. Cash considerations, H Bulls podcast. Thank you to Kevin, and John for joining us on stage, giving us uh, some takes. Uh, as always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Go check out all the great pods all across the network. We got a ton of them. Blue Wire's growing to the moon. Great stuff uh, for us at Cash Considerations. As always, please rate and review us. Give us those five star ratings. Leave comments. Let us know how we're doing. You know where to find us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky's at SBN underscore Ricky. So for Jason Ricky, this is from Cash Considerations. It's Harry Bulls Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.